You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Well, we're taking a trip back to the year I was born, 1996 today. We're talking about Cable Guy. Before we get into that, Manny, please tell the people where they can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to this fine podcast on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Luminary, Spotify. And if you uh, give us a little uh, review, a five-star review and a rating on uh, iTunes, it will increase the profile and allow more people to find this lovely little podcast do you think we should just pre-record that at some point and maybe just put it right before the theme song nah you like doing it sure okay we'll we'll let you keep doing it sweet so um let's play a little catch up uh manny uh you've been you've been watching some things this week correct yeah uh i was suckered in uh i was feeling let's let's uh let's let's share with the listeners, I was. Let's feeling... share our feelings, Manny. We don't do enough of that around here. Yeah. Let's talk about our feelings. I'm gonna talk about my feelings a little bit. Won't lie, was feeling a little lonely. Really? Yeah. Needed a little bit of little bit of love, little bit of little bit of love in my life. So I I got suckered in by the preview of a Netflix movie called Let It Snow. <laughs> so I decided I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling a little lovey. I'm gonna give this movie a chance. I'm gonna give it a chance. I don't think it's going to be that good, but who knows? Maybe it'll surprise me, much like two other Netflix romantic comedies that had come out last year that I actually really enjoyed. Right. Now, I can't go on and say that I would recommend Let It Snow, but it definitely wasn't horrible. The thing is, is I either um, am too old because I only recognized two performers in this movie. Um, and I wouldn't be able to tell you their actual names, just where I know them from. One, it's the daughter from Mad Men. And two, the other is uh, Ned from the Spider-Man movies, the new ones. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I don't know the actor's name. Uh, Jacob Batalon? Wow, okay. Didn't know that. Sure. And, uh, yeah, uh, Kiernan Shipka appears to be the other girl's name from Mad Men. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, and then everybody else, oh, well, and then obviously, uh, Joan Cusack is in it as well. So I, I knew right. her. But all these other young actors and actresses don't know any of them yeah i'm i'm looking through the cast list right now and i don't recognize any of them outside of uh joan cusack isabella merced yep is apparently the lead 
uh, known from such uh, Oscar-nominated films as Transformers The Last Night. Oh, God. She's in next week's movie, Sicario. Day no of- way. Yeah. Who is she? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> she's a uh, preview for next week, I guess. Yeah. But I think she's at the, the dinner scene towards the end. No spoilers. No, so- sorry. She's in uh, the, the second one. Oh, I see. Okay. I was like, there are no kids in the first one, really. But yeah. okay. Yeah. My that bad. makes some sense. Oh, apparently. Oh, she plays Dora in Dora the Explorer movie. Like, the, the, the live action movie. That's her. Iconic. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, this movie, if I was probably 16 years old, might be my favorite movie of the year. It is geared towards teens, and rightfully so. And so I'm about 30 years outside their demographic. But it was it, it had some really nice moments. This is along the lines of, um, but nowhere near the quality of Love Actually. Oh, you know what? I know the like not I, I know the, the screenwriter, John Green. He's like super YouTube famous. Really? Yeah, he wrote uh, other teen romance novels like *The Fault in Our Stars*, *Looking for Alaska*, *Paper Towns*. Wow. He's like incredibly YouTube famous. He's one of the biggest YouTubers there is. Oh wow! All right. Yeah. <clears throat> um. It it was like it was definitely. If you're looking for something light. And at times amusing. It's worth checking out. Um, the one thing that I did like about it is it actually does have um, kind of I, – I, I don't want to use the word powerful, um, but it does have a queer storyline because there's mm-hmm. about four stories going on at the same time um, in this movie. And one of them is like this queer love story, and it uh, – I'm not – I don't want to sp- – I guess I kind of do want to spoil something. Without spoiling something, the ending – or finale of that storyline, their kind of last moment is actually really heartfelt and really well done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that I enjoyed this movie a little bit more than I probably would. There's not any great acting, but there's no bad acting either. Mm, maybe the there are the kind of villains, kind of villains, but not really. Um, it's it's super light, fluffy fun. The one thing I will give it, though, is it's the first time I've ever seen the iconic ice sport of broomball portrayed. I've never on, heard of that. You've never heard of broomball? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I played broomball in high school, like like in PE. We got to go play broomball a few times. It's literally. Um, is it what it sounds like? It's basically hockey with brooms, except not a puck. There's a larger ball, and it's played on ice, but you have to, you're on your feet, not skates. That seems awful. Yeah, it's, 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 I won't lie. It was fun as shit. (laughs) It was super fun. But yeah, it's, it's the first time I've ever seen it depicted on screen. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm still going through the cast list here. Um, the character Stuart, a pop star passing through town, Stuart Bale. Yes. You know who that is? Shamik Moore, I'm going to guess. Yeah. Okay. Who's he? 
he voices uh, Miles Morales in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Shut your filthy mouth hole. Yeah, that's serious, man. That is spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> this, this this movie just gained a, a one point on the Manu rating yeah. scale. <laughs> just went up a star. Yeah, he's um he's his storyline is actually pretty good. Hmm. Like I said, if you want something lighthearted and fluffy, a lo- have you seen the movie Love Actually? Yeah, I have. Okay, it's basically like that like that kind of movie, like a bunch of kind of interconnected stories over Yeah. like this is kind of like one night. Like it it's it's fine. It's light. Is it's, it is now a good time to mention that I think um Love Actually is an incredibly overrated movie. Overrated? Overrated movie. Interesting. <laughs> I just, it's often regarded among the best romantic movies ever made, in my opinion. Is it not? Or, at the very least, many people hold that movie very near and dear. Yes. T-Bone included. T-Bone loves that movie. Hate that movie. You hate that movie? Uh, maybe maybe hate is strong. Okay. I really have no desire to watch that movie again. Interesting. We're going to be I watching. Did not, I did not, whatever the appeal is, it wasn't for me. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I really liked love actually there is one moment in that movie that every time i watch it nearly brings me to tears is it the part where the dude tries to seduce his best friend's wife nope because that's kind of fucked up yep (laughs) no this is one of this is perhaps no not perhaps this is in all honesty no facetiousness no hint of sarcasm Okay. A moment of brilliant acting in that movie. Okay. And when I say it, you will agree with me. Okay, I believe you. Okay. Um, hold on. I'm just going to have to double check my names because I, I know the name I want to say. And I just want to make sure that I'm saying the correct actor's name before I make an ass of myself. Thank you. I was going to be right. It's when, spoiler alert for Love Actually, coming in three, two, one, go fuck yourself. It is when Emma Thompson discovers that she didn't get the gift that she was expecting from her husband. And she excuses herself and goes into her room to cry while, shit, I can't remember the singer's name, Joni Mitchell uh, is playing. She breaks down in tears has her moment to realize that her husband has feelings for someone else, possibly also having an affair, then composes herself and goes back out to be the mom to her children and the wife to her husband. It is an incredibly powerful moment in an otherwise fluffy film. (laughs) And every time it happens, it gets me right in the feels has it made me cry? Probably once or twice. But every time I watch it, it gets me close to the verge of tears. How did this happen? How did we get here? <laughs> the way we always get anywhere. <laughs> so that was Let It Snow. In the so yeah, it's I, I would not recommend it unless you're looking for something light and fluffy that you don't have to think about. If we have anybody listening to this podcast under the age of 20 if you still got if the last four letters of your 
age are T-E-E-N, watch Let It Snow, and you'll probably like it. All the 115-year-olds as well? <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay, excellent. By the way, I didn't mean to disregard your thoughts on love, actually. I do agree with you that uh, that scene in particular is quite powerful. I just didn't. The overall uh, theme or the overall structure, whatever you want to say, just a lot of the interesting aspects of that movie for other people just were not interesting for me. Totally get it. I, I totally get it. Love And act- the romantic, I say in quotation marks, moment in that movie, uh, some of them border on creepy. <laughs> including the one i mentioned yeah. about the dude trying to seduce his best friend's wife you mean rick grimes yes <laughs> you mean rick grimes trying to seduce oh, oh fuck i was trying to think of what Kier knightley's character's name was in pirates of the caribbean oh god who ca- I, I was gonna say <laughs> she's juliet in this movie which by the way super subtle naming by the way whoever wrote this movie naming the female forbidden love interest juliet i love that um oh that's gonna bug me um I'm trying to find it, but my internet is uh, not doing so what great. What are you trying? To, um, uh, I'm, 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 fuck, fuck. In my mind, I want to say his name is. I know this is wrong. The name in my uh, head is Richard Jenkins, but that's an actor. Yep. God damn it! He wrote it and directed it. Oh. Okay, I gotta look it up. Tell me what it is. Richard Curtis. Like- Motherfucker. Okay, I-, I thought you were trying to get Kira Knightley's name for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. So. Oh no. I was trying to get oh, the right one. Uh, right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, damn it. I was going to say <laughs> Rick Grimes trying to <laughs> seduce Elizabeth Swan away from <laughs> the main character from 12, 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Um, Baron Mordo. There he is. That's that's his name. Well, no, Bear, uh, Chiw- uh, is it? I think it's Chiwetel Ejiofor. That's right. Yeah. Um, he he plays Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange. Oh, uh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> My God, that was a lot of movie references to combine into like a like five minute section there. That was amazing. It was. <clears throat> I when it comes to love, actually, I can totally understand why some people don't like it. But for yeah. me, it it's I definitely do like it. Yeah. Um, also, right. uh, I guess uh, if we, if, are, are you sorry? Uh, are you? Did you want to wrap it up on Let It Snow? Yeah, I I think I already did. Okay, for sure. I just wanted to say that uh, maybe we should have led with this off the bat, although this acts for a nice uh, segue. But uh, big movie news this week would be that Disney Plus was released. Right, that's sort of been the big thing. We're recording this on November thirteenth, twenty nineteen. I think Disney Plus released. I don't know, what, yesterday, a couple days ago? Yesterday at uh, would have been 3 a.m. Pacific time. Right. So, yeah, Disney Plus, new big thing, and Manny celebrated in fashion, correct? I did. I I picked it up, and I dove right into their first um, <coughs> live-action Star Wars show, uh, The Mandalorian. Now, I'm not a huge star wars fan i'm more i'm more of a comic book guy the marvel the marvel cinematic universe that's my that's my shit uh i did enjoy uh star wars growing up it always held a special place in my heart but i wasn't super passionate about it so going forward i've always watched all of them in the theater and i was actually talking about this um 
with uh, one of my best friends, Ray, and my mom, um, I'm about 99% sure the first movie I ever went to without a parent was Return of the Jedi. Badass. Yeah, which I think was in 83, so I was about eight years old. I think my mom and her best friend dropped me and um, and her son, and we were very close at the time. I wouldn't consider him my best friend, but I think the two I, – I know that I went and saw it with him, and I'm, like I said, about 99% sure it was just me and him, and then our parents picked us up after the theater. Two eight-year-old kids alone in a movie theater, that's a sign of a little bit different times. And at no point was I ever scared of anything. Nor, nor would I think my parents were even worried about anything happening. Ah, uh, yes. It was a different time, wasn't it? Definitely a different time. Uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yes. Uh, so after that, I've seen every other Star Wars movie in theater. Now, that's not saying a lot because that's only, what, another six? Three prequels, Rogue One, Solo. Oh, and then the two. So five, three, six. Six more. We six. did an episode on Solo, didn't we? That's just... just... Like I had, that movie wow. had completely exited my mind until you just said the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I wasn't, as some of our listeners know, and as Sam does know, I avoid I avoid trailers at all cost. Yeah, which I have, by the way, tried to uh, adapt. I've tried to uh, adopt rather. Yeah, I'll, I'll obviously if I'm at the movie theater, I'll watch them there, um, and. I I won't lie. I've watched a couple other ones. Um, basically, kind of for movies, I'm kind of somewhat intrigued on. I try to avoid. I definitely try to avoid trailers for stuff that I'm definitely interested in because I don't want. I just want to go in fresh, just like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hadn't seen any trailers for the Mandalorian. Um, I had I'd seen a couple images, but that's about it. So I went in to watch it, and right off the bat, you can see that they uh, they gave a good budget. It uh, it looks really good, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too much into depth because Sam and I are contemplating maybe reviewing each episode as the series continues. But I'll just say this: one episode in. I like what I've seen. I'm intrigued to where it's going. It wasn't quite what I was hoping for, Mm. but I think my expectations were too high in regards to what I thought this could be. Yeah, I'm just on the Wikipedia page right now, and yeah, look, if... If the name Jon Favreau is featured prominently in any of the marketing material... I will be there. Yeah, he's the like, showrunner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's yeah created by John Favreau. Written. He's got a writing credit as well. Um, yeah, I I'm already very intrigued by that fact alone. But I'm sad to hear that at least the pilot wasn't everything you dreamed of. I don't want to get into anything, and I don't want to go too much into that in in depth in case you and I do decide to move forward on reviewing the show. Um. But once we do, you'll understand what I mean by that because then I, I can um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I, I can qualify my statements much easier. Right. Okay. I, I'm not I, – I, I, 
I really liked what I saw. I just had a different expectation of what the show would be. That's what I that's what I mean by it. I thought that I thought the I thought the direction and the tone of the film would be different than what it was. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Perfect. Um you also had one of your big favorite franchises? Intellectual yeah. properties? Sure. Series? Uh, series is fine, I'm sure, but okay. I mean all the other two are also also both correct. All right. I uh, heard Yeah, so so what Manny's trying to say is that Rick and Morty season 4 premiered on Sunday and I am a, I'm a big fan of that show. I've watched all 3 seasons, all 3 existing seasons uh through many a time. And uh I've been trying to convince Manny to get, to watch this show for forever cuz it started off as a parody of uh well it started off uh in, in early stages called Doc and Marty. It was a it was a back to the future parody. And it, uh, it, it's such a ridiculous, zany sci-fi adventure every week. Let me just give you the title of the season four premiere, man. Are you ready for this? Hold on. This is, this is, I'm ready. This is the Rick and Morty season four premiere. Edge of to Morty, Rick die, Rick Pete. <laughs> oh, God, I want to watch that movie again. Yeah, that's one we should write down to watch. Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. Please. Yeah, fuck, that's one coming up for sure. Done. <laughs> But yeah, the uh, this Rick and Morty episode they picked up right off where um, where season three ended. I usually tell people that this is a pretty episodic show. They can watch it. Uh, they they can just basically hop into any episode at any point and kind of know where they are. This episode in particular has a lot of sort of meta jokes about where the show has been. So maybe this one wouldn't be a great episode for a first time viewer. But again, uh, I think anybody who's not watching Rick and Morty right now um, just doesn't like fun. I don't know. It's one of the funnest <laughs> shows on the planet right now. Except you, Manny. Thank you. <laughs> then, I mean, I haven't really been watching a whole lot else because I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with BoJack Horseman, as people know. And mm-hmm. I've already started rewatching season six because I'm weak and don't know anything else to watch. And I'm, like I said, obsessed with it. Um, but that's that's about that. Um, had had myself a busy week. Had a lot going on, but managed to squeeze in uh, BoJack Horseman and Rick and Morty. Oh, and uh, this isn't really much of anything, but uh, Netflix released the new Jeopardy uh, collection, and I've been making my way through that. Jeopardy. Yeah, man. Jeopardy. Interesting. You're not a Jeopardy guy. No. no. I like I like trivia. You like uh, trivia. You would like Jeopardy. I. You know what my. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try not to get too negative because you and I had a big <laughs> negativity love fest prior to our recording. Man, before we went on air, Manny and I talked for like an hour and a half about some really controversial shit. So, yep. yeah. And then we got sidetracked into baseball highlights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can never hit the record button. And then when we do hit record, we go on tangents anyway. Yes. Uh, this is this has always been my problem with Jeopardy. Okay. Um, I, like, I do enjoy the trivia. But I've always been. <laughs> Are you about to tell me you don't like the the question and answer format? No, that's not oh, it okay. at all. All right, <clears throat> it's uh fucking Trebek. <laughs> you don't like Alex Trebek? The way the way he's so fucking smug when somebody <laughs> gets an answer wrong, dude. You've got the answer in front of your fucking face. Don't act like you know the answer, you prick. 
Dude, I've, I've become an asshole when I watch Jeopardy. If somebody answers a question wrong, I laugh at them from my coach and say, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> I've become immediately the most unpleasant person in the world when I watch Jeopardy. Oh, Trebek is such a dick. <laughs> Which is funny, because you'd think I'd like that. Yeah, right? You're just like, oh, this... <laughs> this PC culture we live in. Why can't a guy like Alex Trebek just catch a break? You know. <laughs> but no, you you gotta you gotta dislike one of the most likable guys on TV, Manny. Ah, yeah. I've always I've always just had a problem with him. I don't also, know why. Pretty, sh- pretty sure he has cancer. How do you feel now? Good. Die. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> friend. Touche. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. This has been episode eighty. Oh no, sorry, we still we still have lots to talk about. Yes, we do. We, we, we do. still have a full movie to talk about. So, for the uh, two of you who are still listening, uh, we're uh, gonna we're gonna dive into the meat of the episode. Um, we are, as I said, taking a trip back. I'm still chuckling. I'm trying not to laugh at this thing right now. I. <laughs> We're going to take a trip back to uh, June 14th, 1996, when The Cable Guy was released. It was directed by Ben Stiller, written by Lou Holtz Jr., uh, starring Jim Carrey, Matthew Broderick, Leslie Mann, and Jack Black. has a 56 Metascore, a budget of $47 million, and it grossed 60 in the U.S. <clears throat> that's $98 million adjusted for today, and it grossed 102 worldwide, so that's $166 million adjusted for today's numbers. The plot... A lonely and mentally disturbed cable guy raised on television just wants a new friend, but his target, a designer, rejects him with bad consequences. Samuel, you picked this movie for us to watch this week. Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) It's a very uh, telling question. Um, Yeah, so this movie, as I said, came out the year I was born. Uh, I just was quickly trying to check. Jeopardy was in its 13th season at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I did want to pick this movie for a bunch of reasons. Uh, A, I'm just a big, big Jim Carrey fan, as we found out in our episode about The Truman Show. Um, This is actually not one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. However, I think it's one that gets forgotten a lot. So Jim Carrey's, I think... Uh, most well-known roles are, I'd say Ace Ventura is probably like right at the top of the list. I'd say it's number uh, li- one. Liar Liar Ooh. is probably up there. Um, number one or number – it's either Ace Ventura or Lloyd Christmas. That would be, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, dumb, dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura are probably like one, two in some order. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's a bunch of other great ones. Liar Liar is one of my all-time favorite comedies. Bruce Almighty is super good. Like, he's had so many good comedic roles. And this one is just a different side that I don't think a lot of people have seen. And it's not really one that a lot of people talk about when they talk about Jim Carrey movies. So. And rightfully so. <laughs> I'm beginning to get the feeling Manny is uh, resenting me for picking this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I like this movie. Because, Manny, um, <laughs> it's a it's a little bit of a darker tone. I think it has uh, a lot to offer. I'm not a huge Matthew Broderick fan, to be honest with you. I think I could have used a little bit more Jim Carrey. And uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to him, but I, I don't really, I wouldn't consider myself a fan. Um, I, I actually, in researching for this, found a quote from Roger Ebert about this movie. Um and I think it gets to the heart of why a lot of people don't like this movie and maybe I'm alone in liking it. It's, quote, 
we want to like Jim Carrey, a movie that makes us dislike him is a strategic mistake. And I can get that sentiment. I, I understand that sentiment, and a lot of people won't like this movie because they want Jim Carrey to be the likable hero. I like him as the uh, darker cable guy in this movie. I like all of the uh, film and TV references that are sprinkled in. Um, I think a film nerd like yourself, Manny, should be able to appreciate that, I hope. Um, I also, I, it has a number of funny moments, maybe not as many laugh out loud moments as your dumb and dumbers and your ace venturas say, but I, there's a, a couple of good uh, laughs that we'll get to when we, when we get into it. Um, it's also a, <laughs> I, don't take this the wrong way, Manny, because I, I know you'll probably hop on me for this comment, but there's a surprising amount of, and I'm going to use air quotes here, filmmaking in it. And I'm not saying that necessarily all of it is good, but there's like, it's not just your classic cookie cutter, you know, Judd Apatow comedy where you just point camera at guy saying funny thing. There's a decent amount of um, fun that's being had with the cinematography and the camera angles and the set design. And uh, it's not just your, there's a little bit more going on beneath the surface. So, um, Oh, and one other thing I wanted to touch on was just that the uh, I, I really like the score. I'm a big fan of 90s music. So the fact that uh, Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains recorded a song for the credits uh, makes me very happy. I love the song Hey Man, Night Shot plays during the basketball sequence. Um, you know, you even got Jack Black in there. Yeah, it's just a it's a it's a fun movie. It's got a lot going for it. Manny clearly doesn't agree. And he's about to tell me why. Manny, why am I wrong? Wow. I hated this movie. No. Yeah. And no, you didn't. Yeah, and I hated it in '96. And since the movie was released, I saw it. I saw this in theaters. Really? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As a as a non Jim Carrey fan. Mm-hmm. Now, I liked Jim Carrey when he, for me, when he burst onto the scene. With Ace Ventura. That's when he burst on the scene. I, I, I think we talked about this before. I think the – did the mask come out before Ace Ventura? Yeah. Um, uh, Gene Siskel called this Jim Carrey's best movie since The Mask. Okay. Um, I just want to double check my – where is it? Uh-huh. Where is it? No. Ace Ventura came out before The Mask. That was his 94. Ace Ventura, Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all in the same year. Unbelievable. Right. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I loved Ace Ventura. I It's one of the movies, one of the few movies that I have literally fallen out of my seat from laughing. Granted, the only part that made me fall out <clears throat> of my seat laughing in Ace Ventura was the end when he fought the Eagles mascot. I fucking died laughing. A lot of the other stuff in there I enjoyed, but it wasn't gut-busting. But that last scene, something about it killed me. Okay. Saw the mask, didn't like it, and I think it was because... I know it was back then because of the love for Jim Carrey... I decided to not love Jim Carrey. You are such a contrarian, you. Yes. Then Dumb and Dumber came out. 
When Dumb and Dumber came out, it was such a smash hit. Everyone loved it, but everyone spoiled it for me and told me basically all the funny parts in it. So when I finally saw it, it wasn't as funny as it might have been had I gone in without anything being spoiled. That being said, I still didn't find it that funny. For me, the funniest part of Dumb and Dumber is the point-blank snowball throw. That gets a genuine laugh almost every time I've seen it. That's a good moment. Okay. And she had it coming. <clears throat> yeah. Then, after that, I'm subjected to Jim Carrey in Batman Forever as the Riddler. And that was when it turned very camp and I wanted to kill myself. Then, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls comes out. At this point, I'm done with him. I'm like, this is horseshit. I'm tired of his shtick. It's not making me laugh. After that, we get Cable Guy. So I am now two years into Jim Carrey being the greatest thing in cinema, and I'm having none of it. I saw this in theaters, dragged there by my friends, where I probably went with them as a, I'll go to this with you because you come with me to the movies that I enjoy. And I hated every moment of it. Since... You did not tell me that in the lead up to this episode. Yeah. I have requested that we do this episode like four times and you have just kept moving it and have not told me that you hated this movie. Yes. I am actually very surprised. I shouldn't be that surprised because I know you don't like Jim Carrey, but I'm really surprised right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, let me, let me, I, I just want to, I want to alter that statement. Yeah. I don't like Jim Carrey, the comedic actor. Yeah. I'm, Incredibly, ta I think undisputably talented dramatic actor. His three main dramatic roles. I love. And that would be Truman Show, Man in the Moon, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. We've already done two of those. I know. We should probably just do the third. Might as well. I'm, I, have no pro I have no problem doing that. Let's. I'm going to jot these down. What was the other one we said we should do? Live, Die, Repeat. Or, Live, sorry, Die, Repeat. Not, that's not what it's called. It's called Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did another one, The Majestic, which I didn't mind. I wouldn't mind rewatching that one. Uh-huh. Let's see. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, I use the word hate to just accentuate my feelings. I didn't actually hate this film, but I definitely didn't like it. So 96, so we're 23 years later. God, am I 23? Oh, God. Fuck you. <laughs> um, so I've probably seen this movie counting the rewatch for this podcast five times which is for a lot of people that's like holy cow five times that's nothing especially I, for I, a movie this old I think it's holy cow five times for a movie that you dislike that's this old. Yeah, it's most of the time because other people have asked to watch it. Like me. Yes. Or there there will be times where I'll revisit a movie I didn't like after an extended period of time saying, were you just being a curmudgeon? Maybe you should give this film another chance. 
Yeah. And then I do it, and I was like, no, you hated this movie. <laughs> Why did you just waste your time like that? Yeah. I wanted to mask my distaste for this film for you because you were so excited to watch it. I hadn't seen this movie in probably a good 10, 12 years. So I was kind of thinking, like, maybe it's gotten better. Maybe my distaste for this film has changed as I've gotten older. The answer to that is a resounding no. We're still spoiler free. <clears throat> now, well, do you, do you want to rectify that? Uh, not quite yet. Okay. <clears throat> you did touch on that you're not a Matthew Broderick fan. Okay. I'm curious. I think I've asked this before. Have you you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah, I own it. Okay. Do you like him in that? I like him in that. Okay. I, I wouldn't classify Ferris Bueller's Day Off as like one of my all-time favorite comedies or anything. And honestly, a lot of... Uh, you know what? I haven't seen Ferris Bueller in a bit, but yeah, I wouldn't classify it as one of my all-time favorite comedies, but it's pretty good and he's enjoyable in it. Okay, I'm just quickly going through Matthew Broderick's... Matthew Broderick will always hold a special place in my heart because of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. For, okay. for, for guys my age, that movie is very important to us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Looking at his filmography i can count i'm not going to count ferris bueller's because to me that's uh, an iconic for me it's an iconic film it is it's a very iconic film. um but i'm looking at the rest of his i'm going to quickly go through this one uh hold on two three three there's three other movies he's done where I liked him, and I liked the movie, and that's it. Three, and he has 79 acting credits. Is one of them Manchester by the Sea? He's in that? Yeah, briefly. I don't remember him in it. He's, um, I can't remember the, the main, the son's name. He's, he's his new stepdad. Interesting. He, he's only in it for, like, one scene. I don't, well, I wouldn't count that. The movies okay. that he's in that I've liked... Oh, sorry. I thought you just meant uh, acting credits. Yeah, he does have. Did like, you like Manchester by the Sea? I did. I'll never watch it again. Yeah, same. I don't. I don't want to commit suicide. Um, <gasps> the other movies of his that I liked, where he plays a significant part. So there's, mm-hmm. there might be other roles that he's done where he's got. A, he's there might be other movies he's in where he has a small role that I probably enjoyed. But um, I really enjoyed a movie called Glory from 1989. Um, the another romantic comedy called Addicted to Love, I really enjoyed, and uh, Election. Other than that, I'm not seeing anything else in here that I liked. So I can't really say that I'm a big Matthew Broderick fan. Oh, he was on BoJack Horseman. Yeah, he plays um. I, I can't remember the can't remember the character's name, but yeah, he's on the Bojack Horseman as one of the horses. Yeah, he's a he's a relative of uh, Bojack's. So yeah, so that's that's it for me for Matthew Broderick. Um, but those movies that I mentioned are all really good. While I really like the movie Glory, 
he's not that good in it. But <laughs> that's a movie I, I think that you and I probably might eventually watch very far down the road. Glory, hey? Yeah. But if you see a couple of his co-stars, you can see why he looks very bad. Because he's in the same movie as Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I yeah. can see why he would be the third best actor out of those three. He's not even the third best. There's other there's other really good actors in there. There's <gasps> like Carrie Andre Ellis. Brower's in that movie. Yeah. He's uh cap he's Captain Raymond Holt in um in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Andre, he's really good in that movie. That Glory's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And I won't lie, it would be even better as shit as this to say, it'd be even better if Matthew Broderick had been recast. Hmm. Because he plays. Well, maybe it. down the road, if we do wind up doing it, you always have your casting notes, and you'll figure out who is an alternative to that movie. Oh God, I want to find out right now. Um, <clears throat> God, I kind of went down a. Uh, I was gonna say a Ferris Bueller's <laughs> rabbit hole. Matthew Broderick rabbit, um, rabbit hole. Um, he, he's okay. Okay, let's let let's get into spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Uh. I'll take us in because I, I want to. I, I, I kind of want to start. So okay, sure. spoilers for the cable, cable guy in three, two, one. Go fuck yourself. Okay. <clears throat> Matthew Broderick, while he will, like I said, he, he'll always hold a special place in my heart for Ferris Bueller's Day Off because that movie is very important to me. He's really bad in this movie. Yeah, he's not good. He's really bad in this movie. <laughs> and... I was also looking, um, like Ben Stiller's a director, and the only movie he's directed that I f- full on enjoyed was Zoolander. Sorry, not Zoolander. Tropic Thunder. I hate Zoolander. Zoolander is probably my top ten most hated movies of all time. I like Zoolander. I know you do. <laughs> Um, it's not that he's done a lot of films. Looks like he's only done oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six movies. He's only done six movies. He's um, only done six movies. He's only directed six movies. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He's directed. I'm to find he's, the list myself here because I directed know he directed a, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and that's a total hidden gem in my opinion. Um, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't give an opinion on it. Um, I've thought about making us watch that one, and we may well down the line. But um, he's directed a lot of TV. Um, but yeah, um, and uh, what was the other thing I had? Yeah, the the writer Lou Holtz Jr. Uh, this is the only thing he's ever done, and it shows. <laughs> Um, but I don't know if you knew this, <clears throat> Judd Apatow was brought in to punch up the script. Yeah, I was, uh, I was looking up a little bit about that. He doesn't have a writing credit, uh, like in the actual credits, but I think in the novelization uh, he, or he has something, uh, he has some really obscure writing credit or something. Yeah. He, he fought the, he fought the union or the guild to get mm-hmm. a writing credit, um, but he couldn't get through. So he is listed as one of the producers, uh, he did change a lot. Um, he wrote most of the movie's dialogue. Uh, I wouldn't really want to brag about that. Um, <laughs> um, it's 
I'm curious. I'm looking forward. I think what it was is that I knew that you liked this movie so much. I didn't want to make it known that I didn't as much as I did with Pacific Rim because I'm very intrigued to, to hear you praise this movie. Praise would be strong, but yeah. (laughs) Because I definitely didn't like this movie. I, I did also start by saying that while I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, this isn't up there with his greats. So since, <laughs> I mean, it makes a ton of sense now knowing that you're not a Jim Carrey fan. Because my favorite Jim Carrey movies are Liar Liar, uh, Bruce Almighty, Dumb and Dumber, um, and then of course his, his dramatic roles as well. This, as far as Jim Carrey's acting goes, him starring in movies, it's probably like seventh on the list for me like i do really i do like this movie but the fact that it's not even like in the top tier of his movies for me a jim carrey fan means you probably yeah you probably fucking hated this movie the reason why i wanted to choose this one in particular when there are so many that are like better than it is because it's just different it's different than the rest of his roles all the other roles that we see him in he does the same goofy slapstick stuff in every movie and i just i kind of wanted to see something different and then of course again we've talked about how his dramatic roles are even more different than that but those are like objectively from an acting perspective like well done yes so i i wanted to see your opinion on this as well and oh boy did i ever get an opinion <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting all sorts of opinions from you manny uh not to rehash our conversation from before we went on there i didn't i honestly uh, i i I don't see how you s- see his performance in this as any different than any other Jim Carrey performance. The only thing is he's a little bit darker, but mm-hmm. he's doing the same shtick. He doing- is. He's doing He's doing a lot of the same shtick. You're right. But I, I think what I mean by this is just that we don't really see him in an antagonist's role too often, and especially one as creepy as this. A lot of the time... He plays the goofy but lovable everyman who's just down on his luck and needs to learn a valuable lesson somehow. I think this time around, he's a full-blown antagonist, stalker, arguable sociopath, psychopath. And that is that is a different character. He's still doing a lot of the same shtick. He's doing a lot of the slapstick stuff. but uh, But I think the character is different. And that's sort of what intrigued me. That's what I sort of wanted to see your take on that. But so far, I've heard Matthew Broderick was terrible, which, again, I don't necessarily disagree with. Yeah. Uh, we've heard, um, well, I mean, Leslie Mann's also in this. And, oh, boy, are they just absolute garbage together. <laughs> like, one, what did she even see in Steven? Yeah. Like, he's so boring. Yeah, he is. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and she's like, I hate to say this. It feels kind of bad, but like, she's kind of, she's a little too skinny in this movie. It had, it had been a while since I'd seen her. She's not like when I, my, I'm sure. Well, I should say, I'm sure she's obviously been in other movies, Mm Mm-hmm. But where the movie that I fucking love her in, and I still quote her to this day, is 40-Year-Old Virgin. 
Yeah, that's a fucking hilarious movie. When she's like, I want French toast. I still say that all the time. <laughs> oh, man. We should talk about 40-Year-Old Virgin. That's a comedy we could both get behind. 100%. That's a screwball comedy we could both get behind. 100%. 100%. I, I think they're... I want to keep choosing movies like this because I want you to like them so bad. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, hold on. Hold on right there. I'm going to grab something that I bought today. Okay. Give, give me two seconds. Okay. I'll talk about Leslie Mann. She was a little too skinny for me. It, it got got me a little concerned, but this is, you know, this is 23 years ago. So, you know, she was younger. You know, got to be skinny to be a, a – got to be skinny and pretty to make it as a woman in Hollywood. Yes. Anyway, okay, you have something. Yeah, I just um, I'm switching to Skype right now so I can see where I'm holding these on screen. Can you just describe to the people what it is that I'm holding up right now? Are those socks? Those are socks. Okay. Uh, in your right hand, yep. on my left, you are holding up a uh, a pair of socks with uh, one of my most hated people in the world on it. Um, yep. In one of the few movies. No, the other one. The other one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, that one. In one of the few movies that he's in that I enjoy, and that would be Mr. Will Ferrell in the movie Elf. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> the other pair of socks you're hanging up uh, oh. does, again, uh, portray a, a man I despise. The same man, uh, Mr. Will Ferrell. Uh, but yeah. this time he has a partner in crime that he is uh, uh, on the socks with him is a one uh, John C. Riley. The Academy uh, Academy nominated uh, yeah. John C. Riley, I Academy believe. Academy right? Award nominated John C. Riley in what is a lot of people's opinions a comedy classic, Step Brothers. Does Manny? <laughs> uh, not not nominated for that movie. We should point out for the people at home. Yes. Nominated for something uh, different. Yes, I I thoroughly enjoyed Elf. I hated Step Brothers. Oh man, you're 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 objectively incorrect about Step Brothers. I'm sorry. I don't see how I could be incorrect about an I, opinion I, can I have. Your, I can respect your opinion on uh, on Cable Guy. I can totally get where you're coming from. Step Brothers is just it's so funny. I, I, you can't say I'm incorrect when I offer an opinion. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say anything about the movie being bad. I said I hated the movie. Just like what's okay. that, just like uh hold on uh the the uh. Mm, <clears throat> fuck, 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 fuck. That fucking movie that we reviewed, uh, they uh, based Downton Abbey off of it. Oh, yeah, what the fuck was that movie called? Yes. God damn it. Uh, shit. Anyways. I genuinely can't remember. I know, thank God. Because <laughs> I hated that movie, and it was an Oscar-nominated Best Picture nominee. Was it something place? No. Mm. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna be infuriating. Ah. I can even see the poster had Maggie Smith in it, and uh, fuck, god damn it. Anyways, yeah. So he he showed me a, uh, two pairs of socks, yeah. uh, emblazoned with a man that I do not like. So my point in grabbing those was that I think my taste is, as much as we agree on a lot of things, it is slightly different than yours. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And I think I like a lot more of the screwball comedies than you. Although you like Dodgeball. I, I did, yes. Or do. I don't, did. I definitely do. 
<sighs> so where do we go from here, Manny? Well, I, I, I think we're at an Gosford impasse. Park. What? Gosford Gosford Park. Park. Yeah, I was trying place. Yeah, Gosford Park. Um, that is that's correct. Okay. Well, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier on in the non-spoiler part that you liked the filmmaking aspects oh. of this movie. I should qualify that a little okay. bit. It's not it's not going to win uh any Oscars for like best cinematography or anything like that. It's just nice to see a comedy where it's not Judd Apatow style point camera at guy saying something funny and they at least try to do a little something with it. We get a few more uh wide angle shots, we get a few more uh, like Dutch angles, we get um, a little bit of creative like set design and lighting during the uh, the dream sequence. It's nothing groundbreaking and nothing that's going to win any Oscars. It's just it's just nice to see someone like a filmmaker trying in a comedy. Am I wrong to feel that way? Well, now that you said it that way, no. <laughs> because you made it. Now, if I say it is, then I'm being a curmudgeon. <laughs> and saying no you can you, be a curmudgeon you, we've already talked about this you, you can be a curmudgeon if you can back it up i, I can't back it up when you frame <laughs> the question that way sorry man so i will reluctantly agree with you there's nothing wrong with trying to do things like that but my first you just don't you just weren't impressed by it my here's my first note on okay. the movie i'm not gonna lie this is definitely this is this is like the opening of this movie is Steven in his new apartment waiting for the cable guy to arrive. Mm -hmm. There is excessive camera movements in this opening scene. Mm -hmm. There does not need to be this much camera movements for this show. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what my first note says. Does it feel like there are excessive camera movements? My <laughs> answer is yes. Honestly, I, I couldn't focus on the excessive camera movements because the writing in the opening scene is so bad. <laughs> but I, I was focused. Honestly, this is my first time watching this movie in a couple of years, too. So I was kind of curious to see if I would even still like it as much as I used to. And the from the very opening scene, I was like, oh, no, I might not actually like this as much as I used to. I, I, I came around on it. But from in the opening scene, it's him and Jack Black on the phone talking about uh leslie mann they're talking about uh, the character robin and the way that they're talking about their relationship i've harped on bad exposition on this show many a time before this is another one to add to the list and it's just man i can't believe she dumped you yeah well i asked her to marry me oh yeah well that's what happens there, there you go we just summarized everything you need to know audience have a good night like, it's just so lazy and so boring like the opening scene in this movie is bad so to, to answer whatever it was you were saying, I did not notice the excessive camera movements in the opening scene oh, because God. I was focused on other bad shit. I I couldn't get I couldn't get over it. <laughs> I was like, just I'm like, stand still, just mm. stay still. You don't need to move around that much. There's no need for it. This is like again <clears throat> tangent as we tend to. Yeah. You know who's the fucking worst for that? David O. Russell. He, he does that all the time. When I was watching Silver Linings Playbook, I was like, leave the fucking camera on a tripod. Stop fucking moving it. <laughs> I'd like to revisit that movie. No, you don't. That's an overrated movie. Overrated? I did like American Hustle, though. I loved American Hustle. Yeah. You haven't seen Three Kings, have you? No, I haven't. That's a really good movie. Ooh. 
that's a David O. Russell film. But yeah, as far as the uh, filmmaking of Cable Guy goes, like, uh, maybe I am being a little bit generous with it. Maybe it is a little bit elementary, but I, I, nothing pisses me off more than comedies where it's just point camera at funny guy. That like, I want to see a little bit more creativity than that. And honestly, I, I even I even like some movies like that. Like Step Brothers is a movie like that, and like even Dodgeball is arguably a movie like that. Like there are good movies that are made that way. I just like seeing more creativity in the in the visual medium side of things. This isn't stand up comedy. This is film. So I want I want to see a little bit of effort in that regard. Fair that enough. being said, that being said, a little bit towards the end there are some moments where a Dutch angle is inserted and then it's just the least subtle thing of all time. And then it, it becomes like, uh, what, what was that shitty movie with John Travolta? It was like battlefield earth. Yeah. That one. Have is you that seen that? Uh, I haven't, but oh. I I've been told that I shouldn't, but I have seen the compilations of how every frame in that movie is a Dutch angle. It kind of, it kind of felt like that a little bit towards the end. So, it it definitely overboard at times, but I appreciated the effort from Mr. Stiller. All right, fair enough. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll let you have that one, I guess. <laughs> Point rhymer. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> well, when you put it like that way, for, to to say that he's putting in effort to try things, because this is only his this is only his second feature length film. First one before it was Reality Bites. Right. He'd done uh, a couple shorts. And uh, done some uh, TV shows of his own show, the Ben Stiller show. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The and um, th- side note, the cinematographer of this movie is uh, Robert Brinkman. Uh, he okay. shot this movie you might know. Um, it's called uh, Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Yes. <laughs> I I cannot speak to the cinematography in that movie. Again, been a I have not been a film nerd since watching that movie. I don't think. All right. Um, now I'm thinking about all the movies I've told you I want to review and like getting paranoid about which ones you probably hate. That's probably one of them. <laughs> um, I originally wrote this down as one of my notes, but then it, okay. uh, it the question gets answered at the end with another one of my notes. So I'm going to read the first note. But I want you to know that I know the answer because this note is a question. Okay. So the question is, what is the purpose of the Sam Sweet plot? It literally serves no purpose until the end mm-hmm. in their pathetic attempt at portraying a message. <laughs> it is such a ham-fisted attempt at for this movie to have a message outside of the entertainment value they're trying to provide with Mm -hmm. this movie it's so completely unnecessary it's so completely unnecessary (laughs) circling back to the end and this great message it tries to convey (laughs) where the Cable goes out on everyone. Yep. And a gentleman sees a book like it's the greatest thing ever. Do you know who that gentleman is, by the way? I certainly do. I was wondering <laughs> if you knew who he was. Oh, I know. Oh, I know who Kyle Gass is. All right. <laughs> Every it, time I see this movie, I'm like, it's Kyle Gass. 
Tenacious D is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. They were already a band at this point. Jack Black must have gotten on the job. Oh, God. <sighs> you you want to do this podcast with me on a weekly basis. You tell me this regularly. I know. I do. <laughs> I can't wait. Does for it feel does it feel like it right now? Not to not this week. Not it's, today. It's sad that I was looking forward to doing this. Yeah. Um you know, you know that moment in The Prestige where uh, Rebecca Hall, I think it's Rebecca Hall, asks Christian Bale, "Do you love me?" and he says, "Not today." <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what's going on right now. As much as I didn't like this movie and that we're still talking about it, <laughs> it's still better than the last two days I've had at work. So, wow, you must have had a shit week. Even a bad, even a bad movie reviewing a bad movie with you samuel is still way better than pretty much anything else i could do don't worry we got pacific rim 2 coming up no we fucking do not <laughs> i will i'm using my veto on that fucker Ooh, okay i did not know we got vetoes neither did i i just made i just made the rule okay interesting <laughs> uh okay my next note okay um again Upon further review, uh, this kind of gets answered as well. And this is me nitpicking at stuff because I'm watching a movie I don't like, so I'm purposely trying to find things to pick it apart. Sure. The name of the company that Chip Douglas works for is The Cable Company. They couldn't even come up with a fictional company name. Now, granted, that's because he doesn't work for a cable company. So, like I said, this gets answered later in the film. These are just the notes I took. You know, this is what good film does, Manny. It plants the <laughs> seeds. Shut your mouth. That's getting edited the seeds out. For these plot lines, and it makes the viewer ask questions. It makes you go, "Hey, why did they do that?" And I then am... it answers them in a poignant and succinct way later on in the movie. It's uh, it's called Chekhov's gun. It's called a lot of other things. It's called foreshadowing. It's, uh, there's there's a lot of names for it, Manny. I call it art, and it's beautiful. <laughs> I am editing out that last 45 <laughs> seconds of everything you just said. Yeah, implying that you've ever done an edit. I've I've done about, let's see, we're in episode 81. I've done about three edits. <laughs> because we're that good. Yeah. Let's go with that. We're just that. flying by the seat of our hands. <clears throat> pants here, people. We're, we're winging it. Okay, here's the highlight of the movie for me. You ready? My next oh. note, this yeah. literally made me happy. Steven lives in apartment number 42. I knew you would notice that. <laughs> I knew you would notice it. <laughs> Granted, probably a Hitchhiker's reference rather than a Jackie Robinson reference, one would think. 100%. Or maybe he's just in number 42. I, I bet you it's no reference whatsoever. Mm, I, I don't think there's ever been a single filmmaker ever who's used the number 42 accidentally. Interesting. Even the bad ones. Interesting. Which this qualifies for. <laughs> so in the... Is there anything that you'd like to add in? I, I, I'll move on to my next point. Uh, I actually... I wanted to touch on uh, Sam Sweet. Oh, 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 please. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Just uh, the, the poignant message that this uh, side plot delivers. You can retract that statement. <laughs> um, re re really, though, um, I, I just think that this part of the movie is interesting given the historical context in which this movie came out. Um, I, of course, was not around when all of this happened, but the OJ verdict yeah. was a, less than a year before this movie came out. 
and I, I just like uh, this aspect of it in that historical context, whether it was intentional or unintentional. It was 100% intentional. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because I, I, I thought it had to be, but I'm looking up on uh, IMDb trying to figure it out. Apparently, it's based on Lyle, Lyle and Eric Menendez, who were convicted of uh, murdering their parents in 1994. Uh, the, it's based off that because they were brothers. <laughs> But yeah. the reason that this plot line is in there is because of OJ. Yeah. Yes. I think I think this is, if nothing else, if you don't like the message that it's attempting por- to portray, I can't really argue with you on that. I think if nothing else, this portion of the movie serves as an interesting time capsule and a look into what pop culture was like in the mid-90s. Because by all accounts, again, I was not there, the OJ verdict is one of the most important cultural events of the last several decades in America uh, or in the Western world even. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's, it's 100% true. Mm-hmm. There are two major cultural events that occurred that I know where I was when it happened. Mm-hmm. One is easy to guess. Probably 9-11, I would imagine. Correct. The other is the OJ trial. Mm-hmm. For my mom's generation... There are two that she remembers. One, a success. The other, a tragedy. The moon landing and JFK's Mm -hmm. assassination. She knows where she was. So I remember where I was when the OJ verdict was. I was literally coming out of my bedroom, which opened up onto the downstairs living room of the house I lived in at the time. And I walked out just as they were reading the verdict on TV. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, this this Sam Sweet is in there to portray society's infatuation with um... I don't know, a high-profile murder case. Yeah. I, I think, you know what I think um, improves this storyline? Because you said, uh, like, the attempt at it having a message is, is sort of ham-fisted. I don't, I don't fight you on that at all. I think, honestly, as much as I love him, take the shot of Kyle Gass out. Take, like, don't beat the audience over the head with it. Oh, yeah, that would help let, immensely. Let it be in the movie. Let the audience figure it out for themselves. Respect your audience and take out the shot of Kyle Gass opening a book. Because at that point, it's not cute. It's condescending. Very. So I, I think you take that shot out of the movie and the Sam Sweet stuff really uh, is is good. I would go that far. I <laughs> it's go better. That. It's better. I'll go with that. Yeah, better. Yeah, an improvement. The the, the Kyle Gass shot is definitely... It's, uh, it's an almost slap in the face. Yeah, it, it's... I don't know if they're trying to play it for comedy or be cute or whatever, but yeah, it comes off as condescending. Like, hey, stop watching this movie and pick up a fucking book, you idiot. Pretty much. <laughs> and the way that Kyle Gass looks at the book like he's discovered something. Yeah. It's Anyways, okay. <clears throat> Anything else on Sam Sweet? Uh, no, that was about it. That was about my two cents. Okay. Uh, next up, Stephen is watching Sleepless in Seattle, and I was feeling that I wish I was watching Sleepless in Seattle instead of this piece <laughs> of shit. 
I've I've seen Sleepless in Seattle. Not probably too young to appreciate it. It was it predated my Tom Hanks fandom. Fair enough. So um, I uh, I have not seen it recently. It, I I really love that movie. Love that movie. Can't wait to watch it again. Uh, what on that note? I don't know if you have more notes on this, but what did you think of all the the uh, gratuitous movie references and TV references in this movie? Surely, surely, as a film nerd, I thought before entering this conversation with you that you would at least get some enjoyment out of the of the uh, pop culture references that are sprinkled. No, in I this didn't. Movie. I didn't. You didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I think I was <sighs> too overtaken by my, my disdain, my disdain for this movie. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, that's too bad. Yeah. I figured I would at least get you on that. The, no. The Sleepless in Seattle stuff. And by the way, Jim Carrey is not wrong about anything he said about Sleepless in Seattle. What did he say? Well, he he just said that, you know, invite a girl over to go see Sleepless in Seattle and you have her in the palm of your hand. Oh, oh. I, I, I think the 2019 I, version of that is Disney Plus now. Well, invite her over to watch Disney Plus. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, invite her over to watch The Notebook. Yeah, The Notebook. Fuck. Or, fuck. You mean Crit- that really oh. romantic movie where Ryan Gosling threatens to kill himself on a Ferris wheel if uh, Rachel McAdams doesn't go out with him? Mm-hmm. Or Crazy Stupid Love. Which I actually like. <laughs> fuck yeah, that movie's fucking good. It's a good movie. Okay. Okay, let's move on to the, <laughs> spoiler alert for later on the episode, the one part of the movie I liked. <laughs> the only part there's one part there's only one part and it's not even the part you're really thinking of it's a small part within this part of the movie okay what is it it's when they go to medieval times <laughs> but the only part that i liked is when they're speaking with janine garofalo <laughs> that's a fun moment she is really good in like two, in like i think she only has like two scenes yeah, and she's just so fucking fed up with them. She's so fed up with them. Yeah. And hold on. I, ha- I think I have – where is it? Right here. Here it is right here. Uh, hold on. Uh, Steven says, can I get a knife or fork? The wench replies, there were, no fest- there were no utensils in medieval times. Hence, there are no utensils at medieval times. Would you like a refill on that Pepsi? <laughs> there were no utensils, but there was Pepsi. And she just looks at him, dude, I got a lot of tables. <laughs> it's funny because like i liked those lines as well but i couldn't help but think like cut off that dialogue after would you like a refill on your pepsi yeah that's i think that would have improved it as much as the delivery of dude i got a lot of tables as much as the delivery of that line is really good i think the line plays better if you leave it at would you like a refill on your pepsi i agree 100 yeah. percent. uh that's because this movie's a piece of shit and <laughs> <clears throat> Um, yeah. You got uh, anything else to say about Medieval Times? No, no. Besides, uh, uh, well, I guess the, oh, man. I have a wooden sword from Medieval Times here, around here somewhere. I don't want to dig it out, but it's, You've been, it's, you've, you've been to Medieval Times? I have been to Medieval Times, my friend. And how was it? It was great. Uh, Jim Carrey was not there, unfortunately. I wanted to see him and Matthew Broderick duke it out. But it was it was so much fun. Yeah, I ate chicken with my hands, drank Pepsi. It was great. I've heard nothing but great things about medieval times. It's so fun. That's all I hear. 
is rave reviews about people that have gone to medieval times. You get to cheer for like knights to murder each other. It's it's one big spectacle. It's, I definitely want to go to medieval times. Like I said, I was 14 when I went, so that probably factored into my enjoyment and probably factored into me buying a wooden sword. So we're now at the medieval times aspect of this movie. I'm going to say we're about hold on. How long is this movie? Hour 45? Hour 36. Hour 36. So I'm pretty sure that we're about 45 minutes into this movie. I think we're about the halfway point. Mm -hmm. My next note is I've still yet to laugh. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad that that could give you a good chuckle. I I enjoyed that. That was great. Good. I'm glad. Um, Spoiler alert. The remaining 45 didn't get me to laugh either. You didn't laugh in this movie Not, other than Janine Garofalo? I didn't even laugh at Janine Garofalo. She just she got she got a nice hearty smile from me. <laughs> that was the best you can do, Manny. That is the best the I can best do. Best you can do. This you curmudgeon. Movie, I am a curmudgeon. Yeah. The other lingering aspect of this film is that hold on. I now have uh Jim Carrey's uh karaoke song stuck in my head. Uh yeah, where, but where but in my head, I have the real version, not his over the top, reverberating voice version. Uh, somebody, somebody to love. Yes. Yeah. A Jefferson Airplane. Yes. Like I said, I love the soundtrack to this movie. Actually, I I'm honestly a very big fan of it. Of course. <laughs> of course. Nothing wrong with that. Good music. Good music. Bad film. Good <laughs> music. Um, oh, man. Okay. What else you got for me? What else can I rebut for you? I can't remember the... Uh, <laughs> I can't remember why this was mentioned. Uh, but they talk about the movie Waterworld. Oh, yeah. I didn't write that down. Uh have you seen uh, it's it's when they're in the rain at the end and Jim Carrey's grabbing Matthew Broderick by the shirt and he says dry land is not a myth yes. I've seen it have you seen Waterworld no everyone tells me I don't need to they're wrong really I am a fan of that movie you're a fan of Waterworld I, I am. think that might be the first time somebody has told me that but I respect your opinion of course so now you know. I will qualify my opinion on it. Okay. Two reasons. One reason I like the movie. (laughs) There's only one. As I've stated before, I'm a Kevin Costner fan. So he, he, he gets a point for being in it. It's a very guilty pleasure movie. Is it a good movie? Fuck no. Fuck no. But I really liked that movie. And you haven't seen it, so I'm adding it to the list. That is one that we're going to revisit. I am, I'm hovering on the idea on whether or not you'll like it or not. I think... You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I think you will like it. Really? My prediction right now, completely, with you not seeing it, not knowing too much about it, I think you give it a three. I think you... I, I know the 
I, you sort know the of premise. Historical. I, I know. I know the production stories. About, yes. Like I know it's one of the most expensive movies ever made, or it was the most expensive movie at the time, or it, whatever. Do you know why though it was that that way? I don't really. Okay. The only reason it was that expensive is <sighs> it's set in a world where there's no land. Yeah. And so they built this set, and it sank in the ocean. So they right. had to build it again. That's why. It's not oh, like oh. it's not like they went. They, they it was the most expensive movie because they had all these great ideas and wanted to do all these things. There was an accident and they had to rebuild a whole set, the biggest set, the biggest set on the whole film sank. Now and they didn't think to just cut their losses after that. No. Now, granted, this is. Everything I just said is without any research going on <sighs> verbal history from what? Well, th if the film's referenced in 96, so this would have been Waterworld's probably 93, 92, 93. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at 25 years just going back on oral history with no research. Right. Now, I don't need, we, I don't really need to fact check it right now, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons. I'm sure it is. Um, just real quick. Um, so, Cable Guy sitting at a 56 Metascore. Uh, Waterworld over under 56. I'm going to go over. Uh, I, I set you up for failure. It is exactly 56. Nice. <laughs> you always get post. Um, but, I, like, I, I think I think if you watched... if slash when you watch Waterworld, I think watching it, I think you'll see both sides. I think you'll see why a lot of people don't like it, but I think you'll also see why I did. Okay. Interesting. I, that's definitely, that might climb up high on the charts. I, honestly, I've never had an excuse to watch Waterworld. It's such a, a legendary movie, basically for all the wrong reasons, but I've never really had an excuse to watch it. It is, yeah, it's, yeah. I'll say this right, I'll, I'll, uh, there's no spoilers in this part, but whatever. The antagonist of the film is played by Dennis Hopper, okay. who might be having the most fun you've ever seen of somebody ha on a movie set. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just going all out. This is, I'm getting paid an obscene amount of money to have this much fun. <laughs> I don't I'm, know, I've seen, I've seen Nicolas Cage on the set of movies. This might you you will be astounded. It's Nicolas Cage levels. No, Nicolas Cage is over the top and manic. This yeah. isn't this. This is you can see the glee in this man's eyes. Like he's like, I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> Hopefully, after the cost of rebuilding the set. That's true. He would have probably asked for upfront. Anyways, yeah. guess what? Yeah. Those are all what? my notes on the movie. That's it. That's, that's all you had. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't have much more. All right. Um, um, couple of things here. Da, 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 da. We covered medieval times. Talked about the score, cinematography. Um, your boy Bob Odenkirk showing up. <laughs> <in the movie. laughs> were you were you excited or disappointed when he showed up? Always excited when I see Bob Odenkirk, and it took me a moment because he has so much hair. <laughs> Better call Saul. I was like, "Holy fuck, is that Bob Odenkirk?" No. Yeah. And then I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> 
in uh in what I re- like in my memories of when this movie came out is probably everyone's favorite scene when that movie came out is the porno password scene. Which I think is a funny scene. I'm going to go out on a limb, even though we haven't talked about it, and guess probably not your favorite. Uh, no. <laughs> Which is fair. We all have our opinions. Oh. Oh, I I'm, I was trying to figure out why the hell uh, Kevin Costner was at the top of this cast list, and I realized I was still on Waterworld. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, Kevin Costner was there is, uh There is another person in this movie that has a little special place in my heart. Um... But that's um, because he plays. Uh, oh God damn it! He plays Pops in um, the Goldbergs, and that's George Segal who plays Steven's father. Right. Uh, the Goldbergs is a TV show that I really enjoy, uh, as it plays to my nostalgia from the '80s. But he's a. Uh, he he has literally nothing to do in this in this movie as Steven's father, but he is a, a joy in in the Goldbergs. <laughs> um, I think I mean I had more written down in my notes, but it was more of the same. Really, last thing I really wanted to talk about, we we touched on it a little bit, but there's so many there's so many film references in this movie. I just wanted to get a few of them. Sure. There's the there's the Silence of the Lambs reference in Medieval Times where he puts uh, the skin on his face. Yes. Um, and he pretends to be Hannibal Lecter. S- side note to that. Mm-hmm. Do you you know the two police officers that come and arrest Stephen? Yes. Right? There's a white man and a black cop. Yep. The white guy is one of the guards from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I've... I've now that you mention that, I totally see it. It's, yeah, that's hilarious. He's he's not the guard. Spoiler alert for Sons of the Lambs: Three, Two, One, Go Fuck Yourselves. He's not the guard who uh, Lecter skins face to escape of the very scene that he's mocking in medieval times. But he's the one that he locks to the cage and beats to death with his baton. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Anyway, another feel-good uh, family comedy: Sounds of the Lambs. Yes. I cannot wait for us to get to that one. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, I know. Uh, another one, of course, we said Waterworld, uh, the dry land comment at the end. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, the Sleepless in Seattle, I liked that whole thing. Uh, here, here's a fun one that I didn't actually notice. Um, on the TV, when uh, Jim Carrey's a kid in the flashback, when his mom's telling him to uh, go uh, just sit in front of the babysitter or whatever, go watch TV, the movie that's playing that he's watching is called play misty for me it's from 1971 and it's about a jealous stalker yeah clint eastwood yeah I, i'm unfamiliar with that movie um the babysitter must die the line that he yells is a reference to the hand that rocks the cradle in 1992 i i saw that but that was in 92 i barely remember it so it's a and, it's a psycho babysitter movie and then of course the one that really draws attention to itself is Midnight Express when he presses his uh, his bare breast against the uh, the the glass in uh, in the prison and haven't, says, "Oh Billy." Haven't seen it. Yeah, me neither. Surprisingly. But he does also reference uh, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just doing the movies. I have listed for TV Springer, Star Trek, My Three Sons, Bewitched, I Love Lucy. Um, but yeah, the Star Trek was probably the most. Uh, 
the reference that drew the most attention to itself. What with Jim Carrey uh, singing the score beautifully. Yes. Beautifully, no. Yes. Uh, that was apparently season two, episode one of Star Trek, Amok Time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which are, you're a Trekkie, right? Uh, yes. Oh. I wouldn't. I. I like to. I'm not so deep into it where I have a vast knowledge. I, yep. I, I'm a huge. I'm a Star Trek fan for sure. I'm not a big enough one where I could stand toe to toe if we did some type of trivia on them. I literally have not seen a single episode of any of the TV shows. Okay. I've seen the Chris Pine movies. The first two of them, actually, I haven't seen Beyond. And I thought they were pretty good. Okay. I've watched some of the original series. The Mm -hmm. majority of The Next Generation. Yeah, you're a Picard guy. I'm a Picard guy, big time. Yeah. I've watched a few episodes of Deep Space Nine, one or two episodes of Voyager, a few episodes of Enterprise, the new one, Star Trek Discovery. I haven't watched anything. I've heard it's good. I have watched every Star Trek film. I have not seen any of the Star Trek films. I don't know if that uh, adds anything to your list. I'm told that The Wrath of Khan is quite good. The Wrath of Khan is absolutely unbelievable. Star Trek The Motion Picture is horrible. Okay. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is spectacular. Spectacular. It is a spectacular film. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock is better than people give it. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home is such a pure and entertaining and beautifully made movie, especially if you're a Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Five: Horrible, <laughs> absolutely atrocious. Star Trek Six: Undiscovered Country is amazing. They made six. Yep, that's oh what the, that's the original. Then they have yeah. the next generation. So the next one after that is the crossover between Picard and Kirk called Generations. Not too bad. The next one, Star Trek First Contact, is fucking awesome. Then I think after that, I think we have Nemesis. There's one, there's one or two more next generation films in there, and they're okay. And then we get into the J.J. Abrams, Chris Pine ones. Yeah, where there's lens flare in every single shot. Yeah. Um, There's another movie that I've been wanting to do with you, but if you're not a huge Star Trek fan, I don't know if it will resonate with you as much as it did with me, and that's called Galaxy Quest. Right, yeah. And the funny thing is, I think I've said this before, I actually own Galaxy Quest, but I've never watched it. Galaxy Quest, for people that like Star Trek or Star Trek fans, it's one of the funniest <clears throat> movies ever made. Yeah. Because it it pokes fun at the fan culture of it, but in such a loving way. And the cast in that movie is rock solid, which leads me right into... It's... Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, isn't Alan Rickman in that movie? Yeah. But that one of the one of the two highlights for me in that movie is this is where I was first introduced to Justin Long, who I really like. Mm. 
and Sam Rockwell is unbelievable in this movie. <laughs> Justin Long and Sam Rockwell in a movie together yes. seems dangerous. It is so... This is... Galaxy Quest, if I'm not mistaken, is Justin Long's feature film debut. Um, I'm such a big fan of Justin Long. Are you really? I am, and I can't. That's surprising to me. I know, and I can't explain why, but like in this movie and in like I fucking love him in Dodgeball. Dodgeball is hilarious. I love him in Dodgeball, and um, his little the two little cameos, small parts he has in um in Zach. Well, he's in Zach and Mary. Um, oh yeah, he's he's really funny in Zach and Mary. And he reprises that role in Jane Silent Bob reboot. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and he's—he, I don't know. I honestly don't know what it is. Um, so does that technically make Zach and Miri Viewers Universe then? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin Smith. Uh, two shout outs, two weeks in a row. I know. Love that man. Um, yeah. So, uh, why were we talking about Star Trek? How did we get there? Uh, because uh, the medieval times battle. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we can get off Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I, I've got nothing else. I just wanted to list off the uh, the the TV and movie that's referenced in this. Uh, did you have any other trivia you wanted to go through? I, I got some. Yeah. Um, uh, during filming of the scene in which the cable guy plays basketball, uh, <laughs> it was discovered that Carrie could barely dribble a basketball, much less make a basket. So uh, director Ben Stiller had Carrie mime the action without a ball, and visual effects technicians added the basketball in post-production. Which I, I re-watched. Like, I read that fact, and I re-watched that scene. I didn't, like, it, it you barely see him dribble the ball, which yeah. makes sense, of yes. course. You barely see him dribble it. Yeah. I, I didn't see any balls added in post, though. Yeah, if, if it's added in post, it's well done because it, it I can't tell. It's seamless if they did it, yeah. Yeah, now I kind of want to – no, I don't. I was going to say, now I kind of want to rewatch it. No, I don't. Yeah. I love the love the song that's played during that scene. I know I said that already, but Hey Man, Nice Shop, I Filter, great song. God, I, I love how much of a music nerd you are. <laughs> uh, the scene at Medieval Times where the cable guy asked for Steven's chicken skin and then performs the Silence of the Lambs impression was all improvised. Shocking. Um, during one take, Jim Carrey asked for the chicken skin out of nowhere. After doing the Silence of the Lambs bit, director Ben Stiller loved it and wanted to keep it in the film even though it wasn't in the script. If you look at Matthew Broderick's face during the scene, you can tell he is cracking up. His reaction is a genuine laugh. I do love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um... Uh, Jim Carrey couldn't believe that nobody had thought to set a comedic piece at Medieval Times before. The Buena Park, California venue closed its door for the first time to accommodate filming. But there was one problem. Matthew Broderick is allergic to horses. I had to really concentrate not to sneeze all the time, he said. I like fight scenes and physical comedy, but we were doing it in a string of 16-hour days, and that can be quite draining. Another oh, that sounds fucking exhausting. Uh, Leslie Mann... Read with producer Judd Apatow for her audition. Apatow read Jim Carrey's part. Leslie Mann and Judd Apatow then got married one year later. Creepy. That's all I got. The I only have two 
casting rumors, or not rumors. I only got two casting trivia for you. Uh, one is uh, somebody that was considered for the role, and the other one was somebody that declined the role because of scheduling conflicts. Okay. So the first person that was considered for the role, Adam Sandler. Yeah, not really a Sandler guy. The other one, Chris Farley. Interesting. I know. I, I think he would do a good job of being a creep. I agree. Yeah. Um, Chris Farley was originally up for the part of the cable guy. Uh, Farley had a two-picture deal with Paramount Pictures. After Tommy Boy, he was obligated to make another movie and was offered this role for $3 million, which was a huge amount for him. He also had the chance to make another movie with David Spade for nowhere near the amount he was going to get for this film. They decided they may have a chance to make another Tommy Boy, so Chris turned down the role, and Jim Carrey got it for $20 million. Which is a lot of money. Yeah. Do you remember the budget of this movie? Uh, off the top of my head, no, I don't think so. 47 <laughs> and, and 20 of that was Jim Carrey. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Still made money, though. Yes. Favorite scene, Samuel? Uh, it's probably Medieval Times. It's probably the, the most iconic scene from this movie. I, I like the whole thing front to back, but you, uh, you obviously disagree with me, and that's fine. You know, we can have differences of opinion around here. We're all adults. Um, I, uh, I like that one, and I like uh, the dream sequence. I, I, really? I the dream sequence? Yeah. Interesting. Why? You know, like, I, I, I consistently quote uh, with my brother the, uh, all right, see ya, bye. <laughs> Fair enough. As he's Fair enough. As, as he's walking away from the door. So, yeah, uh, probably Medieval Times, though. It's going to be the pick. All right. I'm going to go with Medieval Times as well, but only the two scenes with Ginny Garofalo. Literally, literally two lines. Yeah. Manny's favorite scene in this movie uh they elicited a smile the rest of the time he was miserable but suffered through it god damn it for my benefit yes and we appreciate it yes uh sam your final oh, actually you know what let me do my final thoughts so we can please end do i'm so, dying to hear them so we can uh have at least a positivity ending this podcast sure uh, my final thoughts on this movie i didn't like it when i saw it in 1996 I don't remember liking it the subsequent times I watched it and rewatching it for this podcast. I had hopes that maybe I had changed my opinion on this movie and that turned out to be false as I watched it and didn't like it. Uh, as much as I've been kind of uh, making fun of this movie and everything I've said, uh, even using the word hate, uh, it's not entirely true. I've mostly been using those words for comedic effect. Yes. Uh, I didn't dis- and it worked, by the way. I'm Perfect. laughing over here. Awesome. I, I know. that's And that's awesome. Um, I, didn't, I didn't hate this movie, but I will probably never watch it again. I can see if, – if you're a Jim Carrey fan, I get it. I can see why someone would like this, but it is different – than his other films, he does take a little bit of a darker turn for a character. He is playing something a little outside of his comfort zone, um, but he does uh, uh, far too much of his regular shtick. And yeah, I I hope I don't ever have to watch this movie again. 
Uh, and the chances of that are now slim now that it's out of the way on the podcast. There, there we go. It was is. it worth delaying it, Manny? Was it worth <laughs> pushing this back so many days so you could just dread this day for months and months and months? Well, I can't remember what some of the other reasons that it got pushed back, but I'm pretty sure I probably enjoyed those even. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were valid reasons. I'm pretty sure they were valid reasons. Yeah. Or at least you made them seem like valid reasons. Yeah. Well, this one's now done. It's out of the way. I don't have to worry about it again. Yeah. None of the other movies that you've mentioned that you're thinking about us doing in the future have me dreading anything that i'm not even tenacious d i'm i i haven't seen that movie since it came out when it came out i don't i don't remember hating it i don't remember loving it so it's probably Mm. middle of the road so revisiting it we'll see which way it tips the scales when we get there oh boy I'm gonna need to up my game. If there's none you're if there's none you're planning on hating, what's the fun? <laughs> I'm tired of doing shitty movies. Can we get back to some good movies? Hey man, we we got Oscars coming up. We got good shit coming up next week. We're gonna talk about we got we got all sorts of good shit. Coming I know. Up. I'm very excited to get back on to a good run of films. <laughs> Sam, final thoughts on Cable Guy for me. I think it is, um, you know, underrated is probably the wrong word. Um, I think, again, there's so many better Jim Carrey movies. Um, this one's just a little bit different. I, I personally enjoy it. The, the growing up as a Jim Carrey fan, I've seen liar, liar more times than I can count. I've seen Bruce almighty more times than I can count. Um, I, I love almost all of his comedies. This one is not in the absolute top of the top for me, but it's, it's got a lot to offer if you dig into it. Obviously not for everyone as we found out today talking to Manny. Um, uh, definitely for people into, uh, more serious and again, uh, air quotes are coming out again into more films per se. Um, but I think, I think there's a lot to offer. There's a lot of, uh, nice dialogue, uh, competent filmmaking and, uh, Hey, it's Jim Carrey. What's not to like? All right. Well, as, as you finished up your thoughts, this podcast is now actually longer than the movie itself. Congratulations to us. Uh, of course, we spent about probably 40 minutes talking about other things. Uh, <laughs> all right, ratings. Uh, you want to uh, go first? Sure. It is a – yeah, uh, nailed it. It's a two. Yeah. Can't give it a three. Can't even give it a three. But this didn't even come close to getting a one. This is an easy two for me. I, I've never I still... seen or heard of you giving a movie a one, by the way. Do you do, you do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Shit. What was the okay, movie? Okay, if you're if you're digging this out, why don't I give my rating? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can probably predict it pretty easily. Um, I'm giving this movie a three. It's Ooh. not fantastic. Um, and it's it's certainly not bad in my opinion. Um, there's some pretty funny moments. There's the medieval times. There's the dream sequences. Oops. I like the the climactic scene uh, at the end. The satellite dish. By the way, didn't even talk about this, but Jim Carrey predicting cell phones basically in this movie is kind of surreal him saying that uh in the future you'll be able to do everything you'll be able to connect with everyone everywhere at all times um which is kind of interesting to look back on but yeah i think this movie um sort of gets lost in the mix uh when it comes to jim carrey movies people don't really talk about it and i find a lot of enjoyment in it so i thought uh, i would share it with my dear friend manny and that would be that fair enough i uh i predicted you would give this movie a four. Oh, really but again 
I always make my predictions before we've even uttered a word on the podcast. Yes, that's right. So um, back to your original question. Uh, yeah, I haven't given out a one in the 81 episodes that we've done. Yeah. But I have seen a one-star movie this year. What was it? Uh, I haven't talked about it. <gasps> Interesting. Now, I'm intrigued. I could reveal it on air. Or are you saving it for uh, for an episode that we both know? Yeah, I, I definitely, because I, I don't see anything coming up on my viewing schedule that will be able to knock it off its perch. Keep that one in your back pocket, Manny. We'll, uh, we'll reveal it later. Okay. I, I could tell you off air if you wanted, or you could wait until I think we're, I think we're looking at a February release for that. Uh, no, surprise me. Surprise me. All right. I, I'll let you know. Uh, watching this movie was painful, and uh, I hate that I did it, and I hate that I didn't trust my instincts and actually allowed uh, one of my friends to – never mind. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. <laughs> love it i hated that movie i hated it i hated it it's the first time i've given out a one in recent memory god i am i am intrigued i'm gonna have to i don't want you to tell me but i'm gonna have to look up some movies and see what what it could be no I'm very I, intrigued. I'll, I'll tell you this right now you, you i don't think you'll be able to to guess it okay i i don't i don't think well you might who knows but you, you'll be surprised that i even decided to give this one a watch well, you know what, Manny? In spite of it, <laughs> in, in spite of you not giving this movie a one, but resolving to give it a two, I appreciate that you managed to sit through these movies with me. I have uh, requested some stinkers as of late. Um, we've been mixing things up. Um, but we're getting back into the good stuff next week. So as, uh, as uh, hyped up or sort of teased at earlier, next week we're doing something we haven't done in a long time. Well, doing a couple things we haven't done in a long time, like review a good movie. Yeah. Um, but we're not only reviewing one good movie, we're reviewing two. It's a double feature, and we have not done that in some time. So uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Sicario <laughs> and <laughs> Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. Mm. Um, Sicario is a movie that Manny and I are both very excited to talk about, of oh course. Oh, my God. directed by Mr. Denis Villeneuve um but yeah enough about that let's uh let's let's save all the the knob slobbing for next week i won't lie i'm so excited to get back on track to some good movies we did yeah. have a run of some fun cheesy campy films but i'm kind of chomping at the bit here to sink my teeth into a good film again and honestly i can't think of something better than us getting into sicario Again, I refuse to feel bad about any of these movies, though, because of Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse is the reason this movie is being reviewed right now. <laughs> Roadhouse was my answer to you making me watch Pacific Rim. <laughs> and now we are eternally at war with each other. We are, because... Much much like the Jaegers and the Kaiju. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I owe you one now. You, I answered your Pacific Rim with Roadhouse, and so now I have to answer for the cable guy. I'm... I'm pretty sure you have one coming up, don't you? I don't have... Hold on. I'm going to flip through my calendar. Uh, don't we have one coming up? Well, we got the... We got the... Oh, I know what one's coming up. <laughs> I didn't fucking want to do that one. Yes, you did! It wasn't my idea. It was my idea, and you were 100% on board. I believe I said something to the effect of, God, I'm going to hate it so much, <laughs> but sure. 
Okay. That's a nice teaser for epi- well, let's see that's episode two episodes on the road there. Yeah. yeah Sicario's ep- the main Episode thing 84. Here. We were just talking about episode 84, but next week episode 82, yeah. uh, Sicario and Sicario 2 Day of the Soldado. Um, for those of you still listening and t- and uh, and all that, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you'll give us a uh, four star, four star, give us a five star review and uh, a five star rating and a positive review will increase the profile. Oh yes, Samuel. Uh, just to be fair, this episode might have only been worth four stars, so we wouldn't fault them for that. This. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this was sloppy. This was this was sloppy. It was pretty sloppy. Um, <laughs> If you would, if you could give us a, a five star review and uh, and and uh, a little review on iTunes, it does increase the profile, allows more people to find us. And if you ever sit around talking about podcasts with your friends, give us a mention, uh, recommend us to your friends, let more people find us. We would love to uh, have more people uh, listen to our podcast. And if anybody wants to offer us any insights, any opinions, let us know we suck, let us know we're awesome. You can contact us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. Uh, you can email us at the at Sam Manny Movie Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. And listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Luminary, and Google Podcasts. That's everything I got. Let's get out of here because this movie sucked balls. <laughs> <laughs> for the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Thanks for taking a ride with us on the Information Superhighway. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!